Well, good morning, everybody. It is June 6th. Remembrance of G-Day, please. Okay, just so you know, very important day in American history. All right, and uh, welcome to today's show at Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. I'm Larry Jacobs, your host, and it's a pleasure to have you here with us today, or perhaps you're listening on the archives just fine with us. Everything we archive, everything we do is over at our home website for our Consortium for Equity in Education over at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org. Check out everything. Everything's free over there. Our new issue of our magazine is up, uh, which is called the Equity and Access. You'll really enjoy it. If you go over there, just click on the cover, enjoy. If you want to subscribe, you can. It's very simple to do. Again, it's free. All the podcasts are there. Everything about our uh, Excellence in Equity Awards program is also over there. Nominations are open until early August, but there's no time like the present to check it all out. There's always a ton of good information over there. We do a lot of work with a lot of people and a lot of organizations all about trying to create equitable education for everybody across the nation. And please check it all out over at ace-ed.org. Today's show is with uh, our good friends over at TOSIN, the Consortium of School Networking. And I've got a pretty good array here of folks. Let me introduce them to you. We're going to talk about their 2023 State of EdTech Leadership in schools, obviously. State of EdTech Leadership, the new survey that just came out. We have returning guests. Hello, Holly. How are you? Holly Doe from the great state of Maine, just where I happen to be right now over in Union, Maine. How you doing, Holly? I'm great. How are you this morning? Just fine. Thank you. Okay, it's a pleasure to have you here. Okay, so you're, you're, you know this, but I'll tell everybody else. You're the Director of Technology Regional School Unit, RSU 40, up in Union, Maine, which is mid-coast, right near Rockland and Camden and all those places that people love to visit. Okay, Diane, you there? Yep, I'm here. Okay, Diane, it's Larry here, and uh, Diane is the Senior Director of Information Technology over at Digital Promise. Tell us what you do for a living, Diane. Sure, I'm broadcasting from central Wisconsin right now. Beautiful central Wisconsin. Which town? Oh, Iola. Iola. Iola, Scandinavia, home of the Midwest's largest car show. (laughs) So there we go. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I did not know that. Okay. Well, you have to take a trip over here. Um, Yeah. I am about a half hour away from Stevens Point. Uh, more I've been there, had some Bay. Point Special. Yeah, been there. Oh, yeah, Point Special beer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, Senior Director of Information Technology at Digital Promise. You were the Chief Technology Information Officer at, that, at the district right where you are in Loyola? Is that okay? Um, no, where? actually in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So um, I was oh. retired for a full weekend, and then <laughs> I moved to central Wisconsin to care for parents. Wow, good for you, Ed. Do they have a football team in Green Bay? Oh, well, you know, there's no Aaron Rodgers anymore, but we There's are still rebuilding. the Packers. There's still the Green Bay Packers. You guys will oh, be okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. We are Green and Bay actually, Packers without Aaron. And, and, and actually, actually uh, 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 Holly and I are a little upset about that because he moved to our division. He's the Jets quarterback now. <laughs> Same division as the Patriots. Okay, so... Uh, He's a drama. He's a good man. He's a good guy. Okay, and a great quarterback, in my opinion. Okay, yes, Aaron, you there? <laughs> yes, sir. Good Aaron, morning. 
Good morning. That's a southern thing. You got to call me Larry, not sir. Let's do it again. All right, Good morning, Larry. Aaron. How are you? I'm great, Larry. How are you doing? That's much better. Please call me sir from now on. No, I'm just kidding. I went Larry, not <laughs> sir. Okay. And you're right. the, <laughs> and you're down in Oklahoma today, and always tell us about that. Your your job as director, executive director of technology down at Middale School District. I think this is the is this the first time you've been on with us. Yes, sir. Yes. Sorry. My dad's a Marine, Larry. so sir's going to come out quite a bit. Um, yeah, this is my first time. Um, I work in uh, Middell so. Public Schools, and we, uh, we're a combination of two cities, Midwest City and Dell City, Oklahoma. Uh, and just we, we support Tinker Air Force Base out here. And so it's just a, a unique little community right outside of Oklahoma City. So we have yeah. city life, but then suburbia to live in and enjoy, you know, lo- lesser living, so to say, like um, not as fast. <laughs> exactly. Well, I live in uh, Holly and I both live in I'll, I'll call it kind of rural Maine. Okay, away okay. from the big cities. Okay, and we're quite used to it. And we we've also got Iola, Wisconsin, which last I heard has not been compared to Do- Gotham City of late. Would that be correct, <laughs> Iola? We are a small, quaint little town. Yeah, yeah. We all we're all we're all a little little suburban and rural today, away from the bright lights, big city. It's all that, and it's great because you're all great educators, and you'll care about all this. And it's super. And I want to start. I'm going to start here with Diane. Diane, the results of the 2023 state of the ed tech leadership across the country. Okay, why does why does COSA, my good friends Keith Kruger, the Consortium on School Networking, why do you guys do this survey? What's the point of it? Sure. Well, and I also want to bring up that I serve as the chair for COSIN, um, so I can be small town as well as national. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, we've been cool. doing this Thank survey you. for over 10 years. And, yep. you know, um, something that we ed tech leaders always get from our boards of education are, what are other school districts doing? And so yeah. being able to talk about, well, you know, this is what our survey says, and we have um, gotten information from over 1,200 ed tech leaders. And so, yes, this is valid information, and I think that mm-hmm. it can help us. Um, it can help us build education for the future with our leaders and stay informed of what's going on and be ahead of everything. You know, Diane, you brought up an interesting point just then, okay? Our school boards and school districts, okay? And, and everybody knows, I mean, ed tech, ed, education technology is education. Technology is education. They don't use a lot of chalk anymore, okay? It, it, it's ed tech, okay? And, and, and we know that. But they say, what are other school districts doing? And that's a great question to ask. But is there still a little bit, just, just from your point of view, a little bit of insecurity, just not understanding exactly what about ed tech in a given school district. I'll, I'll just go with Diane on that one again. Is there still a yeah. little bit of questioning? You know what I mean? There is because um, it combines so many things. Uh, you know, you need to know technology and how it works, and you also need to know what goes on in the classroom. And I think because of that, we serve as 
what can I say, as EdTech leaders, we serve as the interpreters. So when you talk to the Board of Education, you take highly technical things and you make it, you know, people talk. Um, but then when you talk to your technical no. team, you need to get technical um, and let them know what the end users are needing. So people don't quite understand it and really don't even know it's a job. <laughs> and so yeah, if you talk to all of us, you know, wow. um, you know, wow. we've got former educators who have turned into CTOs and directors of technology, and we also mm-hmm. have um, former technical people who have served as contractors, perhaps, or come from the technical business field and then moved into education. And, you know, that's what our surveys are saying at this point. So, yeah, people just don't really understand. So we're grateful for you having us so that we can help um, oh. demystify some of this information. Well, believe me, uh, thank you for being here. That is my pleasure and my honor to have you three and Kosen here all the time, as we always do. I got to tell you, the work Kosen does and you three, okay, it's just, it's just very, very, very important. Okay, that, that's that's all there is to it. All right. So, what were the key findings this year? I mean, as we get people more secure with this, okay, what were the key findings from the EdTech Leadership Survey? Diane. Right. Well, you know, cybersecurity continues to be a big topic. Um, You know, we're hearing of more and more school districts um, getting hit with ransomware and other things, um, and, you know, large school districts. And so our leaders are really saying, wow, you know, number one, we need more funding. Um, for cybersecurity and Cosin. By the way, that's policy. not to pay for the ransom. We don't need more funding to pay no. for the ransom. Thank we you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, Cosin has a policy committee that works on, you know, making sure that we've got bills and policy uh, brought forward to receive funding. Uh, for things like advanced firewalls and other things. So um, you know that in 2013, cybersecurity really was not listed as one of the top um, concerns, but now for the last, I do believe, five years or so, it has been listed as the number one concern. Only one-third of school districts have full-time dedicated network security staff. Uh, Two-thirds of EdTech Leaders feel that their district has insufficient resources, um, and, you know, that's, that includes 12% of our districts who do not allocate any funds for cybersecurity defense. Um, and so, you know, we just have a lot of work to do there. there. And EdTech leaders tend to estimate, underestimate the threats of, of um, you know, to our network. 50% or more of our people rated five threat types as relatively low, while the adoption of practices to improve cybersecurity is on the rise, so are the number of bad actors. I think our bad actors are finding that K-12 schools are easy targets. We need to change that. Wow. That, that, that's scary because... And there's a lot of money involved in, in schools, okay? And, and, and the communities put their trust in schools, all right? And, and it's the biggest employer usually in every community, all right, unless there's a big hospital or something nearby, okay, or a huge university, okay? It's usually the biggest employer. And people, people have to – the community has to understand. The school board has to understand. The administration has to understand that it has to be protected, 
Okay, and it has to be not protected. Not to mention our students' data. Yeah, mm -hmm. you just took the next sentence right out of my mouth. I was just going to say mm -hmm. not to mention student privacy. Okay, right. it's unbelievable, and 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 and, and you know, people are still trying to understand this. They still, like you said, they 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 still don't get it. Okay, Aaron, I'm going to thank you, Diane. I mean, it's real scary. We're going to go over some of the other findings too. Okay, but I want to ask Aaron about this. Aaron, you're executive director of technology at a really nice school district, Middeldown in Oklahoma, right by Oklahoma City. And by the way, if you want to answer this question, if you, I'm going to have to charge you over $1 million. It's ransomware, Aaron, ransomware. <laughs> okay, just send the check. Venmo, Venmo me the check. Okay. Yeah, we don't right. send it for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Talk to me about what's going on down in your district. Sure. So, you know, um, the, the per so I've only been in this role for about eight months now, and um, to speak to the truths of, like, the Congrats. survey being out there, thank you, uh, you know, for 10 years, I'm able to lean on that and use that as, you know, a guiding light for me. Um, but unfortunately, hmm. here in Oklahoma, we had a, a local school district um, actually have a cyber attack uh, about six weeks after I got into my post. And so there's no easier way to convince people to put funding into um, security when it's in your backyard. Um, and so I, I'm lucky I've got a CFO who's very active in um, working with our insurances and making sure we're, you know, checking our boxes there as far as cybersecurity goes. Um, and then we have a great company here in Oklahoma called Adira, and we work with them, and they're actually our information security officer. So, you know, when it comes down to that funding, they're making it affordable for us. Um, you know, I've got a lot of smart people. Uh, who I work with who can do it, but in order to keep, you know, that educational technology component going, I can't take them out of those positions. And um, so having that luxury to lean on a, a company that's, you know, does that for us um, behind the nice. scenes and they alert us, um, it, it's really helpful. So, um, you know, it, it's a fear for us, uh, but like I said, you know, we can, I, I can mention this, I won't do it here, but, um, you know, around here we know who it was, and, you know, and I have an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old, and, you know, we talk about that student data privacy. It's super important that I protect them, and they're in my school district. So it's it's a little easier, too. Um, a lot of our employees, you know, they're like, oh, it's not just about the adult, uh, you know, the teacher and, and what we're doing. We're protecting our kids and our students um, for their future. You know, you, you just brought up something interesting to me, and I'm going to get back to more of these findings, Diane. I'm going to ask Holly, too. But, Aaron, I want to ask you this. You're both a parent and the tech director, okay? So you're yes. in an interesting point of view. Everybody talks <laughs> about cybersecurity, and they don't want their students' privacy data out there in the, in the world, okay? They just, <laughs> you're a parent in this situation as well as the tech director, okay? What What – Data, and I don't mean this to sound as stupid as it's going to sound. What data would would are we so worried about? Okay, and, and I think people need to understand that. Or let me put it another way: I need to understand it. I understand the need for privacy, but what are what are we so concerned about? What's that data that's so scary that that it, sure. it gets out there? Let's put that in sure. perspective. If you just think about, you know, any parent who enrolls, you know, we're in enrollment season right now, whether it's a, a, a brand-new kindergartner or a pre-Ker or, you know, even kiddos going into college, um, and you're constantly putting information um, into either on a piece of paper or into a forum online, and information is so readily, like, you're able to just kind of put it anywhere. We've had, you know, phone, you know a computer in our pocket now for 10 to 15 years. And yep, so the, yep. the, the idea of just putting information out there it's like, okay, this is easy. They have what I need. But if, if I think about my eight-year-old, 
Um, you know, I promise you the hackers don't want my credit score. They don't care where I live. They don't, you know, they don't need my birth date. Um, but my eight-year-old who is, who they can maybe take that information and do something with their birth date. Um, you know, we don't put our social security and things well, in our district, but addresses, uh, you know, just those little pieces. And then even the access on the backside. So we're a Google district, um, you know, having hmm. a student click sign Google, if they're under 13, there's certain things that they just access based on certain laws. Um, and those are some of even the decisions we have to make as far as that data goes, because that uh, ties back into our student information system, um, you know, and that's where that's where all the, the gold is. So it's not even always about money. Now, don't get me wrong. We've, we have to put securities in place for our high targets in the district uh, to Absolutely. protect you know, the public funds. But when it comes to those kiddos, um, the the reality is that the student ID won't be discovered until they apply for financial aid. So, you know, something wow. could happen as a five-year-old, and it's 13 years before we realize that there's been an issue. Wow. And it's just, it's just so amazing. And, again, all that information is out there. We put it out there all the time. We just have to mm -hmm. be so darn careful. Uh, let me swing over to Holly. Let's go Let's go way north now, up even north of me here in Little Cornish, Maine. To, to uh, Union, Maine, up there, up near Rockland. Okay, Holly. Well, you know, when you hear uh, cybersecurity as the top uh, thing, is that your top thing too? Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, mm. And so, you know, when as I read through this this EdTech, um, the, the results of this, yeah, it's, it's it's like everything. You're you're kind of nodding your head as you look at everything because it's mm. exactly what we're dealing with on a day to day wow. basis. And, you know, while I won't say, you know, what we have done or what we, we will do, um, because it's always a work in progress, um, it's, it's reaffirming to see that other districts are struggling with the same things. Um, it makes you, you know, getting things in the budget is so important. Um, you know, we added, um, as a result of an audit we did internally here, we've added a, a bunch of new items to our budget for next year so that we can continually improve. Um, and we're doing, sitting down doing incident response planning this summer. Um, so uh, it's, it's reaffirming, um, but it is startling, like Diane said, to see yeah. how people perceive threats. Um, the fact that um, some of the largest threats to our district um, are not perceived as that. And, I, and that kind of made me question, you know, why is that? Why are people... What, what do you say? That, make that, explain what you just said, that they're not perceived as that. The great threats are not so, perceived so as threats. So DDoS is, is a pretty big threat to a district, but it's perceived as low in the survey by most of the respondents. And uh, I think what's I'm wondering what's happening is, you know, um, you see your neighboring districts get affected um, occasionally, and I think a lot <sighs> of districts are still sitting there going, well, it hasn't happened to me yet. Um, and so I don't know if that's why that if that factors in, but I, I think that may be, may have something to do with it. it. It better not, because that's why everybody has insurance. It hasn't happened yeah. to me yet, but it could. Okay, and you got to be really careful with that. It's it, it, this is so interesting. Again, I want to make my point that techno education is technology these days, and the teachers use that to get to have kids learn. Okay, it's not chalk on a blackboard anymore. All right, it's technology, and the, the entire community has to understand that. And the dollars we put into that pay off in the end. Okay, it, it's just that simple. It's really it's, it's it's scary when we think of all the information that's out there. Back to Diane. Diane, another finding that was one of the key findings of the leadership survey. Yeah, 
We just did cybersecurity. What else? Right. Digital equity. You know, the pandemic really did bring attention to um, who has technology and access and who doesn't. In fact, back, you know, in 2021, 95% of our districts were providing off-campus broadband. Well, now only 74% of our districts are providing that because kids are back to school. But yet I so can't we didn't learn say that. So we didn't learn the lesson we needed to learn. Here we go again. Right, when we need it next um, time, what happens? Yeah, to a point. Right. Un- go ahead. Unfortunately, yes. Um, and and some of that, I'm sure, has to do with funding, right? Because um, that relief funding is no longer with us. And so, you know, we do have things like the Emergency Connectivity Fund and, you know, students yeah. who are on the free and reduced lunch uh, program can qualify to get, um, you know, additional funding for the internet at their house, a monthly uh, type of um, supplement. But that's really all we've got. Our school districts, you know, seem to be pulling away from providing that access at home, but I can't say that the homework and the work that is expected of students at home has changed since the pandemic. I do believe that students still are expected to complete their work while at home, and the relief that our school districts is providing has, you know, been cut down to only 74% of our school districts. You know, Digital Promise is so into equity, your group, okay, you're the Senior Director of Information Technology. We here at the American Consortium for Equity Education. It is so darn important that every kid get the education they deserve, and I mean every kid, all right? It, 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 and and it's, it's hard to do, but we we we... we supposedly learned during the pandemic that we weren't prepared for this. And like we all said, it, during during those heavy days of the pandemic, we created, we, we built a plane while it was flying in the sky. But we built the plane. It wasn't the best plane, but it stayed in the air. All right? Are, are we, I'll just ask Diane on this, and I'm going to go to the other ladies. Are, 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 are we doing it again? What's going on? Diane, are we falling yeah, back into the you old know, crap? Yeah. Unfortunately, um, yeah, due to budgets, you know, I'm hearing about laptops going back into carts and, you know, not being able to be sent home with kids anymore. Um, You know, we've got a real funding cliff here. And I know I talked about this three years ago about, you know, how are we building a sustainability plan so that when – when this funding goes away, can take over the maintenance or the replacement of these devices. And we're at that point now. And I think that's why we're seeing a reduction in off-campus broadband because schools simply cannot afford it at this time, which is unfortunate because, yes, every every student uh, deserves to have, you know, the resources they need to learn. Well, let's let's look to our two districts. Okay, we'll go to Holly first this time. Holly, in, uh, uh, up up in Mid Coast, Maine. How are we doing on all this? You're in a pretty rural area. We are. Um, you know, Coastin has, and I think the middle of June, they are going to be publishing the Dig- digital equity dashboard. Um, I serve on the digital equity committee um, on uh, for Coastin, and it's going to have a lot of data by state and by county and by town, kind of telling you more about the picture of what our students actually have for access to broadband. 
Um, and so I'm excited about that fast forward because that's a tool we'll be using to talk about our students' access. Um, I know our district used hotspots during COVID, and um, that really isn't something that we, you know, if we didn't find that overly useful for some students because in some areas the cell service is limited. Um, so it really depended on where the student was and what town they were yeah. in. Um, so um, we are looking at, you know, how can we promote those other programs with our local cable providers um, to make sure that, you know, these families, um, these families that qualify for those free and reduced lunch um, can, can take advantage of these programs um, so that we can increase that access at home because that is so important. They have the access they need when they come to school, but it's that exactly. gap as soon as they go exactly. home. Exactly. Exactly, and and if we don't we don't do that. They would we leave them in the same position. We can't do that. We have to we have to give everybody the same opportunity. That falls on us. Okay, it's it's that simple. All right, it, it's just infrastructure, and we all know the fights over infrastructure while the roads fall apart, etc. Aaron, I got to get I want to get back to you, but I think I made a boo boo when I introduced you as Aaron Reddick. You're Aaron Reddick White. You have a third name yeah. there. Yes, I apologize for that. I'm no, sorry. that's okay. Thank you. Uh, my, my wife appreciates that. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I think I had I had two thoughts come to mind uh, as you guys were all talking about this, and I think the first thing for Mid Dell, tech at home consistently is so new that we're still working through like what wow. that digital equity looks like at home. Wow. We're, we're working a shift of, hey, here's your your computer. Yes, this is where your textbook is. You know, Larry, you said it. Education is becoming so technology-based. It is. And it is. That's the puzzle we're working through uh, to where we've, you know, when the pandemic hit, we put surveys out, who has connectivity, how can we support you? And we, we did what we could in 2020, right? And then, and then funding came in, and, and then we bought, we went one-to-one. -one. So we, you know, instead of a, a natural rollout, a pilot, we supplied over 12,000 students with a device, either an iPad or a Chromebook. Um, and then that comes to Diane's point about sustainability. What do we do in three to five years? And so that's, that's the struggle that I've stepped into, uh, you know, and I've got the support that, you know, that Polly and Diane both mentioned uh, through COSIN to support that. Yeah. So, that, so that's the piece. And then the other piece that comes to mind for, for me is this digital equity comes to the teachers as well. You know, um, I, I know there's always a conversation of work at home or not work at home, but that same connectivity at the house has to occur for teachers as well. So where does where does Thank that you. fit into the puzzle? And that was just a separate thought that I had as, as you guys were, you know, communicating that at all. But uh, so we're, we're working through this in Middell. Uh, we've got the, the kiddos have the devices at home to do the work. It's just a matter of, of making it a consistent piece of the, of the puzzle for all around. Yeah, and the word you just used is consistent, and it has to be consistent because it's a it's a brave new world out there, okay? And it's not so new anymore, okay? It's not so yep. new anymore. And we can't keep fighting the same battle over and over again. And we saw how we got caught short when the pandemic hit. And we know about the learning loss and the NAEP scores, okay? And it, it's all it's all part of the same thing, okay? It's all part of the same cycle. All right. If we don't correct it, and hopefully the pandemic was the the, uh, sil the the silver there was a silver lining behind that cloud, okay, and that we were, we were able to make things happen. We got to make sure we sustain them and keep that consistent, okay. It's it's just it's it's pretty obvious, okay. It's pretty obvious. 
All right, great, great stuff. And by the way, one other question, Aaron. Okay, it's Mid Dell School District. What is Mid Dell? Mid and Dell. What do they stand for? So, Mid and so Dell. We're officially, we're officially Midwest City Dash Dell City uh, Public Schools. Um, Midwest City. So okay, Midwest City Dell yeah. City. Got it. Got it. Yeah, so I just, just wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's cool. Mid Dell. I just wanted to, wanted to make sure. Okay. Diane. Okay. Let's go back to you with another finding here. We have two of them about the equity and, and we have about cybersecurity. The third one. Go ahead. Sure. Um, budget constraints, <laughs> especially for a modernized <laughs> infrastructure. Um, I don't know if you've been catching on social media. I've been sharing some of these um, tidbits um, over LinkedIn and other other places. Um, and one thing I shared is that, you know, voice over IP in 2013, um, many school districts didn't have it. And now we're happy to say that, you know, um, most school districts have gone digital and and have um, implemented voice over Internet protocol, which allows for just so many other things, better updating of your directory, um, you know, messaging for, for teachers and parents. That communication is so important. Um, and so, you know, we are making strides, but our ed tech leaders are saying that that is still their top challenge is budget constraints. Um, you know, things to put into the infrastructure, uh, like single sign-on is another thing where, um, again, it provides more security when students log in. And I don't know if you have ever sat next to a first or second grader as they're trying to type in the long password. It takes a lot of time. And so um, a lot of school districts have moved now to single sign-on, SSO, um, which allows students to get into the learning application much faster so there's more time for learning so we are making some strides forward but um, still it's the budget that continues to be a number one concern and I think you know you heard that as we talked about cybersecurity as well yeah you know it's interesting I want to continue with you here we're talking about budgets but one of the besides being good citizens learning to read etc that's what school you know and doing learning that's what school districts are about. But we also are there to prepare the, the world's workforce. I mean, we really are. All these kids are going to eventually go to work. Okay, that's our goal is to put them into society and make them productive members of society. That's what we're trying to do. Let's face it. Okay? And what, what, we, we want these kids, and they're going to get getting into a technological world, yet we're always struggling with a lack of resources Okay, and always trying to build up the infrastructure to give them all the, the technological power that they need. Okay, my question is, okay, are any of the school districts, and Diane, I can throw this to both Holly and Aaron too, but Diane, are any of the school districts really saying, going to like uh, Microsoft, okay, and, or Samsung or whoever, and saying, you know, guys, we need money from you. If you want us to prepare the workforce you're going to need, you got to put a lot more dollars into what we're doing, okay? Okay, and instead of throwing it onto the, the people of the community, so to speak, to put it onto the business side of the community, what's the word on that? You you hear the you, our, the uh, emotion in my voice, so to speak, Diane. Really good point, Larry, and Thanks, I'm glad Mal. that you're mentioning this um, because. 
Yes, um, I cannot say, and maybe Erin and Holly, you know, have um, national examples, but at the local level, I can say that. When I was in Green Bay Area Public Schools, you know, um, we did talk to local businesses and say, hey, we're training the employees that you're going to have in the future. How can you help us, um, you know, and support us as we do that here in the school district. I also serve um, and am president of Women in Technology here in Wisconsin. And we have a pillar called Wit for Girls. Um, And that is, you know, to help young women know and understand that there are jobs in technology that they can have. Oh, yeah. Um, And so, you know, we go into um, boys and girls clubs and after-school programs, and we help young women learn how to code and get them interested in technology and show them that women can do this. So, yes, it has to be a village (laughs) to help um, get resources to our students. Yep. And by the way, ladies, I didn't know. I thought all women had become either nurses or flight attendants. Okay, so now oh, they can boo. get into all kinds of other boo. things. Is that true? Oh, my God. They, become, they can become doctors and ed tech people and technical leaders. They can do that. It's about time, for goodness yes. sake. Yes. the population, for goodness sake. Okay? You guys are shining examples of all this. I mean, we have – Industry has to step up to, to help schools. It's that simple. Multi-zillion dollar companies. Okay? Like Exxon, another one. Okay? Anyone you could think of. And really, really help the schools train the kids. That's what we want to do. Okay? It's that simple. Holly, you've gone beyond flight attendant and, uh, and nurse. Okay? Uh, what's your thoughts on all this? The infrastructure. Well, I think, yeah, I think when it comes to budget, though, um, one of the things that the survey kind of grew out was the fact that women make less than men in the very same yeah. positions. So um, they were able to segment um, the you mean, you mean as an ed- Wait, 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 wait. You mean to say as an ed tech leader, hold on, in schools, mm-hmm. is this, am I hearing this correctly? That women in, as in ed tech leadership are making less than men? Did I hear that? Yes, absolutely. Yes. In ed tech um, leadership? And ed tech leadership. Holy. So, so the survey said that nearly half of men oh, earn 130,000 or more, compared to 37% of women. Um, so there is there is a, a discrepancy. Here. It's it's improved from the last time the survey was done, but there's still room, a lot of room for improvement. I I, I, I am I am in total shock over that. I got to tell you, I can't believe it. It's un- just unbelievable. I do believe it, but it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Okay. Yep, there's I mean, work to uh, be done around that for sure. Yeah. Holy crap. That's terrible. Okay, well, Aaron, your turn. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to go back to the local community component. Um, we have we have Dell Chromebooks, and they actually have a program that we, we're oh, working right. on implementing where they will um, supply the training to our students to basically become computer support techs and and so that's wow. one way. And then they graduate high school, they're coming out with certifications. Uh, we also have a tech center in our school district. Uh, they're directly attached to our K-12. And so we have a lot of uh, students that go through that. So, we, again, being so close to Tinker Air Force Base and Boeing and Northrop Grumman, uh, we've got the, that support. Uh, they exactly. And then we also have OSU. Uh, they've, they've come down and, and they give us STEM grants consistently. So, again, I, I think, you know, we just kind of have this sweet little nugget here in Oklahoma 
and I'm a transplant to the area. So when I moved out here years from? ago, I didn't, I didn't know how good I'm from. I moved out here from Florida, but as I said, my dad was a United States Marine, and so we, I got to grow up all over the world, and uh, wow. so that really you know, opened my eyes. Yes, and so, but I, you know, I think that community piece that uh, Diane mentioned, I actually wrote that down. I said I, I want to get into even more local entities, not just the big ones like I just mentioned, um, because a lot of our students are going into their their spaces, uh, you know, as soon as they graduate high school. Uh, we have Rose State College, so a lot, of, a lot of our students stay local for two years and then go on to bigger ones. Um, so that's a, I think that's a big part. That's okay. As far as the pay, um, in, in, in Middell, you know, it's, it's just based on experience. So I came in and moved into an executive position there. Uh, but when I look around at my cohorts, you know, it could be experience, it could be gender, you know, but I, I think that is, it's something we do definitely have to improve. Um, and I think the work that Diane's doing up in Wisconsin even of just making women aware of what's out there will help those numbers balance out. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and I work a lot with groups, okay, who are interested in that, okay? And, and, and it's, it's hard, I don't understand why why women aren't more into it now than ever, and I hope we continue to go in an upward swing with that. Okay, there is mm. no reason why you you three are perfect. I mean, you three are great examples. Okay, I'm serious of what we of what of what needs to be out there. Okay, and be the examples and the shining lights to this. Okay, and we need the we need the the survey to show what's going on nationally. So. A, it gives every ed tech leader ammo to walk into the school board and walk into uh, the uh, superintendent's office and say, here's what the others are doing. We need to get on the sticker, okay, and make this happen, okay? It's that simple. And also in terms of just salaries, et cetera, we've got to do it. I want to ask one other thing, and this is, this is important, and you didn't talk about this one, Diane, which is professional learning. How are we doing on that? And I'm going to bring up something that's good, that, that are the three and two initials that are going to make you guys nuts for the next five years, which is AI, okay? <laughs> it's, it's going to make every school district crazy, okay? And if you want to find out what the end result is, watch Terminator 3. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but you should watch Terminator 3. Hopefully, we'll have different results, all right? But it, it, it matters. Right? We can't hide our head in the sand, and we, we just – you know, we talk about all the we talk about girls who code. We, I know there's a group called that. We want young ladies to get into coding, and pretty soon uh, AI is going to take over that. From what I've read, for goodness sakes. Okay, so wh- what's happening with professional learning and where we are as technology advances so quickly? And I'll throw this one back to Diane. Right. Well, Good you luck, know, Diane, having with that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Having an IT department uh, that is up to date is essential, right, to support a school district. Of uh, and unfortunately, our leaders have said there are time constraints on that, probably more than anything. I mean, funding for training, um, most most school districts were saying that in-house um, or localized um, professional learning versus sending, you know, your IT staff away from the district um, is the way to go because inevitably when your IT staff leaves the district, that's when you have issues, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I I do recall, you know, as 
All teachers are going through professional learning uh, in preparation for school. That is when the IT team is most busy because all the teachers are coming back to school. They're preparing, putting finishing touches on maybe the access points that they updated or, you know, those types of things. When I was in Green Bay, what we did was held our professional learning in July so that we could get our learning out of the way before that rush of school Mm -hmm. started. Um, Mm -hmm. And that did help a lot. And we did things like tabletops where, you know, you – you uh, bring up a a security incident and um, you have your whole team from central registration all the way to your network team and your hardware team, you know, working on solving issues. And so, you know, professional learning can be done. It's just a matter of when that timing is. And our leaders are saying that, you know, finding the time to do that is really hard to do just because of the ongoing needs that school mm-hmm. districts have yeah. and the time it takes from our IT staff. It's just amazing. Uh, Holly, what's going on with professional learning up there in beautiful, beautiful mid-coast Maine? I'll keep pushing it for tourists. Go visit Holly, everybody. It's a great part of the world. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I, Holly I think invites you to time... stay at her place for the week. Just bring the time. <laughs> Yeah, the the time that Diane mentioned is is huge. Um, I think um, I just created a folder in my email inbox the other day called Webinars I Want to Watch because there's so much information coming in, um, and it's available. Um, The resources are there, but finding the time to actually spend to do the incident planning, incident response planning, or to watch the webinar about parent communication that we need to do for our product yep, that we yep. just purchased. Um, it, it, it's finding the time. Um, I also think the role of CTO is, um, you know, one of our, I think the one of the respondents to the survey said we wear so many hats. And that also factors in because, um, you know, COSIN has a, framework for essential skills um, and a CETL certification you can earn. But when you look at that framework of what a CTO should have, it is so broad. Um, And and everything, as we know, in a district is dependent on technology. So, uh, but, you know, we know the investment is worth the time. It's just finding the time. Time. It matters. It really does. Erin, Ms. White, Ms. Rennick-White. Thank you. We we, we start in July with our, our brand new teachers, and then we actually have. I, I was just catching up on messages. We in June we do Toolbox Tuesdays, uh, and so that's just that gives our teachers six hours of time uh, of pay. And I think oh, that's good. the thing. I think it's a fine line of time. Where where do you find it? Where do you work it in? But our, our teachers they need to be compensated appropriately for that extra time. Here, here. You know, and, and well, I won't get into that here, whole here. conversation. Ten months over a twelve month split, right of the pay. Um, and what what we do over the summer. So I think that's one piece of it. And then you mentioned AI, and uh, yeah. one of my my w- colleagues, uh, Allie Hood, is my system networks administrator. She said AI in Medell means all in. You know, we it, <laughs> it, it's here to uh, <laughs> it you know, is. It, you know even, I mean, people use Apple Maps, Google Maps all the time. That's AI. So it, it's just going back to what Diane said at the very beginning of what EdTech means. It's, it's the interpreter. We have to interpret what AI means. Are, can kids use it to to get get around things? Absolutely, but they've been, we've been doing that, you know, since the early 1900s on a piece of paper, right exactly. on our arms. Like it's all it's all the same concept. So I think it's just translating it, and and that's 
as far as the professional learning with AI of what we're doing is we're trying to work with our teachers to embrace it. It's here to stay. It's not going to change. So how can you work with your students? To use it productively uh, and then again it just comes back to the time where do you find it in the in the teachers busy day um, you know their their lives outside of school you know um, where you work that in and, and we use canvas and we actually have planet PD and so we we try to make it a one-stop shop of just resources it's just you, we have to get creative um, to, to work through it and thankfully I'm part of uh, Coastin's early CTO Academy and and in that I got to work oh. with 30 to 40 other educators around the nation and brainstorm consistently about what we can do to improve, what's working, what's not, take an idea, try it in a new district. So it, it's just um, breaking the, the, you know, the glass ceilings of education. We're in a completely different world. What, what do we need to do different? Um, you know, let's not always do it the way we've always done it. Here we are in a different world. You're exactly right. And it's going to be changing rapidly. Okay. And I always say with AI, this is just, my silly opinion that we could always get the answers. It's, it's the questions that matter. Okay. We got to ask the right questions. And if we can learn to use it that way. Okay. We're going, we're going to be okay with it. I think it's, it's really just, it, that's what it is. We have these tools already. We have, obviously we have the calculators and all that sort of thing. Okay. But look how far science has gone since we've had calculators. Hasn't heard the damn thing. It's the same thing here. Okay. Right. I only wish we had that when I took the SATs. Okay. Because <laughs> believe me, it would have made it, it, it would have made a difference. I got to tell you, ladies, you are doing just fabulous work, all three of you. I got to tell you, and and the other thing is emotionally, you, you really care about all this. All right. And I, I got to say, so does Coast and I have Keith and everybody over there. I mean, it's just this is really important, and it's really the heartbeat of education now. All right, and, and, and Holly just, not Holly, Aaron just said, you know, new teachers come in. We've got to make sure that those new teachers are trained and trained properly in technology because this is the way it's going. The kids, it's, they are the kids. They were the kids. Now they're the teachers. There's a new group of kids coming in. Everybody's technologically oriented, technological world, and you guys are sitting in the catbird seat. All right, so I've got, got to thank you for being here today. Thank Hosen for all the good work they do. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and to share this You're information with you. You're welcome here anytime. And I wish you can get there and Rogers come back to the Packers. That would be good for both of us. Okay, <laughs> that's all I can say. Him. That would make both of us happy. Okay? And, <laughs> right, <laughs> Holly, enjoy some lobsters. I haven't, have you had a lobster lately? Holly, don't tell them, Maynard. Oh, is Holly? that a question for me? There was a question for Holly. Yes, Holly. Have I had a lobster this year? Have you had a lobster lately? I have not had one lately. in a while. Lately. Um, yes, I have. I had Well, I had a lobster roll at Sprays oh. in Wiscasset. So. You went to Reds. Did you go to Reds? I didn't go to Reds. Reds is across the street. But um, I, I, was, I will be trying Reds, and I will be trying about five other places this summer. Good so. girl. That's, that's, that's the main spirit with the lobster roll. <laughs> yes. I love it. And, if you, and everybody was Cassett, beautiful town, Reds, Reds lobster rolls. The line runs around the corner. Okay, so, Aaron, when you come up here, when you come up yes, here. Right. Okay. That's what you got to do. Okay. And don't come up in February. You will hate it. Come up in the the summer and fall. Go visit Holly. Bring the whole family. Okay. She'd love her. Sure will. All right. (laughs) Thank you all. Thank you all. Uh, From Oklahoma to Wisconsin, the good old name. Thank you all, guys. Have a good day.
Much appreciated. Bye bye. Thank you, bye-bye. Larry. You're bye-bye. welcome. Bye-bye. Believe me. Bye bye. Aren't they great? And Cosin's terrific too. Cosin.org. You know what you have to do is Google the State of Ed Tech Leadership 2023. Their survey, and this is important because this is this is education. Okay, it's that simple, and we don't have the leadership leading the way with the again the right questions and and bringing the answers to fruition. Okay, we're going to be in big trouble, and we don't want to get into big trouble again. Okay, so let's learn our lessons and go from there. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. And please check out everything we do, including our new issue of our magazine, Equity and Access. It's all at ace-ed.org. And check out that Excellence and Equity Awards program, too. Thanks for listening.